You're listening to a message from Victory Church of the Bay Area. For more information, please visit us on our website at victoryus.org. Happy anniversary. <laughs> so if you're celebrating your anniversary, then uh, today's the day as well for the church. So, but uh, if not, happy anniversary again. We, we're celebrating eight years of God's faithfulness here in the Bay Area. And uh, we started small. Um, um, we just started with a small group, but uh, God's been faithful over the last eight years. And, and we've seen people uh, come and go. They, you know, they were part of us. And then they moved to another state or to another city, uh, but God's been faithful. And how many of you have encountered God or come to know Jesus uh, through those last eight years here? Can I see your hands? Okay, praise God. That's great. So can we give the Lord a hand for that? And we've seen His goodness, His faithfulness, and His love. So we're looking forward. Uh, we thank God for more, for eight years, but uh, we're looking ahead uh, to greater years uh, that the Lord has prepared for us and greater works that He has also um, prepared so but before before we get into our the word you know our, our church victory church of the bay area is part of a worldwide movement called every nation and um, let me see if this works it's not working there you go so uh part of it is every nation and we are and um over the last uh few weeks and months um Actually, the last few weeks, a couple of um, couple of weeks ago, uh, we had some uh, some um, some devastation in Texas, and just recently in in Florida, uh, with these two hurricanes that, uh, that came through, and um, and you know Hurricane uh, Harvey was actually <laughs> it's not working. So Hurricane Harvey is, is actually uh, you know ran through ran through Texas and um, and it's caused uh, people um, um, a lot of their property uh, a lot of property damage and our our uh, church there in Houston um, City Life Church they are you know doing their very best to help those who were um, victims of of, uh, of this of this hurricane and you know people have been sending support their their way and you know, they've mobilized close to 200 people just to help uh, help um, not just church members but people in their community, um, you know, to help reestablish their their homes, to help rebuild their homes. Some of them don't have insurances, so so you know they do a lot of aid and 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 uh, work there, and also to minister to those people. And and a couple of weeks ago, um, we had uh, Hurricane Irma. This is this is the you know the strongest um, hurricane in Atlantic history. In, in history of uh, Atlantic Ocean, in in that region, and uh, it blew through, um, um, you know, the the Caribbeans and also through Florida, and all six of our Every Nation churches there were affected and their communities, and so you see the picture here, um, on 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 your right, we see just the uh, just utmost devastation, and and um, you know, Every Nation. And us as victory, we are, we exist uh, as, as Christ-centered, spirit-empowered, and socially responsible churches. Okay, that that plant churches and um, campus ministries 
in every nation. And part of that description is that we are socially responsible. So the gospel that we preach, okay, thank you. The gospel that we preach is not just good for our souls, but the gospel that, that Jesus gave us and preaches to us actually addresses every aspect of human life. And even actually of all creation, God's plan, we're going to be talking about that in a while. God's plan is, is for the redemption of the, of, in, of the entire creation. Okay, all, all as aspects and facets of human life and human experience. God wants to redeem. Okay, and so part of it, part of what we do, and the Bible teaches us this, that we are not to neglect our responsibility to other people. You know, not, we're not here to take care of uh, just people in, in, in the church or believers. We, you know, we, we want to show the compassion and the love of God and the mercy and the grace of God through our acts of kindness, and especially in times like, like these. This is the time that the church should rise up. And even though our churches in uh, Florida have been, a lot of them are devastated, they are at the forefront of helping people in their communities, whether they're members of the church or not. They're helping those people in their communities to rebuild their lives, rebuild their homes, and, and basically connect them to Jesus and reveal Jesus to them. And a good number of them are, you know, are, are encountering Jesus in in, in a new and living way and so many of them are coming to faith in Christ because of this and this is the time that the church uh, is to rise up and so we do our part as, as every nation we will do our part in this and so um, every nation North America has, has uh, organized a relief for both uh, places for both um, you know places hit by these two hurricanes so we have the hur uh, Hurricane Harvey relief and also the Hurricane Irma relief. And so if you, if you want, uh, if, you, if the Lord uh, puts it in your heart, you know, to, to donate, to give, and to help these people out, and, you know, and, you know, the Lord's speaking to you, please go to those websites right there. If you want to donate to the Harvey victims, uh, just go to everynation.org slash Harvey. Uh, that will lead you to, um, you know, the, the relief, um, you know, the, the fundraising page. So you can donate. Also, if you want to donate to uh, the Irma victims, just go to everynation.org slash Irma, and uh, you can do the same. If you want to do, donate to both, that's, that's well and good. So again, it's, you, you, what I want to encourage everyone here is to come before God and, and pray and ask the Lord, Lord, what can we do? What can we do? Okay, so, and again, this is the time that we are to rise up and uh, let our Christianity be seen. Okay? So, so with that, um, can we just pray for, for uh, those who were um, affected by these hurricanes? Can we just spend a few minutes, a uh, few moments just to pray for them? Father, right now we just lift up to you those who are in Texas who are rebuilding their lives um, and also those in Florida and in the Caribbeans. And Lord, we pray for those who were affected, Lord, um, especially those who are part of our Every Nation movement. We ask that you would strengthen them, and Lord, in the midst of the chaos and the calamity, Lord, we pray that their faith would remain strong, and that you would use them even in spite of these things, Lord, that they would be a shining light, that they would be beacons of hope to those around them, Lord, that, that people around them would see that even if they have been devastated as well, yet the grace and the love of God 
is evident in their lives. So, Lord, right now, let your people rise up. And, Lord, let this be a time that, um, that Lord, your presence would be felt and that you, you would be seen and you would be revealed, Lord Jesus, through the hands and feet that, that's called the church. And so, Lord, I pray that you would use this time, Lord, to reveal yourself, your love, Lord, to those who are in need. And, Father, right now, we just pray that they would encounter you, Lord, in powerful ways. Lord, we thank you. We, just, we pray that you would send also all the financial and material resources that they need, Lord, to help those in their community. Lord, right now, we just uh, lift up all these prayers to you, Lord. We ask that you would bless those people, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, again, going back to every nation, um, right now, um, we have um, our pastor from our Every Nation Church in Madrid, Spain, right here with us this morning. Uh, I'd like to acknowledge uh, Pastor Mel Calingo right there. Pastor Mel, would you stand up? <clears throat> this is Pastor Mel here. You know, he, we were together in, uh, in Victory Makati before, so, uh, you know, but how God just sends people all over the world. So, <laughs> um, um, his family could not join him today because, uh, because, um, because the kids are in school. So he is married to an Austrian, and they are living in Spain. So, um, so please get to know Pastor Mel uh, after the service, okay? So, Pastor Mel, give them another wave here so that they can know, they can see you. There you go. <clears throat> Thank you so much for coming here. All right. <clears throat> we are right now um, again. We're celebrating our eighth anniversary. We're celebrating God's faithfulness. Um, to us, uh, and um, we started small, uh, but God's slowly bringing increase and growth, and we're going to see a lot more of that happening in the in the years ahead. So, and this is this ties in with with uh, the message uh, that I have for you this morning. We are in our series called, entitled "Truth Be Told," and we are going through eight of the many parables of Jesus Christ, and uh, we we want to. You know, understand these parables so that we can learn how to live the truths in them and also to understand uh, the ways of the kingdom and walk in the kingdom ways. And so today we're going to talk about the parable of the mustard seed and the yeast, which is appropriate for, our, um, for what we're doing here today. So I'd like to request everyone please stand up and uh, turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 13. This time I'm going to read from the New International Version. Okay, Luke chapter 13, New International Version. So we're going to read from verse 18 up, up to verse 21. Verse 18, Then Jesus asked, What is the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare it to? It is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his garden. It grew and became a tree, and the birds perched in its branches. Verse 20, Again, he asked, what shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that um, your word packs so much truth. And we ask, Lord, that you would open our eyes and our hearts to receive what the Holy Spirit wants us to receive this morning. And, uh, Lord, I pray that we would live out this truth, knowing that, Lord, even though you start small, Lord God, 
you start with seeds and yet you end up big lord and, and we're going to talk about this and we pray that uh, we would lord continue trusting you not looking at the circumstance but looking to your character knowing that what what you, that you finish what you start and we thank you for this lord in jesus name we pray may you all take your seats <clears throat> <clears throat> all right <clears throat> so we Jesus here talked about two parables actually so he was speaking of uh, the, the kingdom of God and he was comparing it to two things first he compared it to a mustard seed how many of you have seen a mustard seed a mustard seed is one of the smallest seeds there is okay so and here's a picture of it so you open up your hand like that in the palm. It's like a little dot right there. That's, that's how small a mustard seed is. But, but what's interesting about seeds is that it, is, it, is, uh, it has everything it needs for it to become a full-blown tree or full-blown plant. It, it's, everything is there, okay? it, but it's in embryo form. Can you imagine a huge tree or a huge plant in that tiny seed? And that's the miracle of growth. Okay? And only God brings growth. And, and uh, he, Jesus compared the kingdom of God to a mustard seed. That it starts small and sometimes hidden. And most of the time hidden, but planted. But in the end, it becomes one of the largest uh, of the garden plants. Okay, so. And then he compares it also to yeast. Um, how many of you bake? Okay, um, how many of you use uh, yeast? Or what else do you call it? Um, I don't bake. That's what. <laughs> <clears throat> so anyway, you, it's a it's a it's a ferment it's a fermented substance that you put in the dough so that it'll help the dough rise up, and when you bake it, it's gonna become it's gonna become bigger. Okay, so uh, so just like in that picture right there, so the dough is flat right there, but you mix in a, just a little bit of yeast, and the yeast would 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 uh, affect the entire dough causing it to become like this okay so and uh, how many of you um, have um, gone to Boudin bakery and how many of you like their their um, clam chowder clam chowder where on a in a sourdough uh, bowl okay so <clears throat> did you have you seen this or have you heard of this that since 1849, they started in 1849, and, and here is the mother dough. The yeast that they've used since 1849 still there, so it's continuing. Can you imagine? So that speaks of the longevity of the kingdom of God, you know, as it continues to, to, be, to be mixed in with the dough, mixed in, in the hearts of people, you know, it continues to impact their lives and produces um, its fruit. Okay, so if you haven't been there, go to, uh, Boudin has a, um, I'm not, they did not pay me, so, but for you, <laughs> for you to, to, to see that I'm speaking the truth, I took this picture right there in their museum. Okay, so go to San Francisco and go there to the Boudin, um, the big restaurant by Fisherman's Wharf, and there's a museum there on the second floor, and you'll see, you'll see this mother dough, and they only take a piece of it to make to be, to make their all the bread that they make for for the day, and then they add to that, 
and it continues to grow as a mother doe. Okay, so we don't have time for the history of that. So, uh, but uh, but anyway, that speaks of the nature of the kingdom. It starts small, but becomes the biggest of all. And once it's planted, it impacts the entire thing, the entire doe. It impacts the entire heart. It impacts the entire society. And it impacts the entire world, actually. Okay? So, what is the kingdom of God, first, first of all? Um, the kingdom of God, actually, or less frequently um, referred to as the kingdom of heaven in Matthew, is the kingly rule of God in the lives of people and nations. Okay, the kingdom of God is the kingly rule of God in the hearts of people and nations. Uh, it refers to the recognition of the authority of God rather than a definite geographical area, much like what we think of nations today. When you think about the, the nation of the United States, we're thinking of a geographical area. But the kingdom of God, His reign, His kingship, His rulership, if you will, goes beyond boundaries because it goes in the hearts of people. Okay, so... It's, 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 it's a recognition of the authority of God rather than a definite geographical area and begins, the kingdom of God begins with the ministry of Jesus Christ. Actually, Jesus ushered in the kingdom of God. Okay? And, um, and so, the kingdom of God, Jesus said, what shall I compare it to? So he compared it to mustard seed and, uh, and yeast. But as he was talking to the people, when he used the kingdom of God, that has been something that they've been expecting ever since the Old Testament days and during the, in, in between the two, the two testaments. So they, they've been expecting the kingdom of God, especially in their history, they've been, they've been uh, oppressed by foreign nations and they long to, to, um, you know, to have the promise of the kingdom of God come and restore them to the glory days of their King David. As a matter of fact, uh, you know, the Messiah who will usher in the kingdom of God is, is uh, the Bible says he is the son, of the, you know, the son of David. Okay, so he's from the line of David and he will rule forever. But many people believe the kingdom of God to be a political kingdom and a geographic kingdom. Much, much like, you know, uh, the kingdom of Israel before it was divided in their history. But there are also people during the intertestament period between the Old and the New Testament because of the exile in, uh, to Babylon, to Assyria and then to Babylon, and then some of those Babylonian exiles returned. So their longing for the kingdom is now beyond the political and uh, geographic realm. They're looking to the kingdom as the end of the age where all evil and even the supernatural um, you know, evil will be addressed, that they will be delivered from that. And so those are the concepts of the kingdom of God in the minds of people. So when Jesus spoke of the kingdom, that wasn't a new concept to them. Okay? But he was going to explain to them, he was going to reveal to them what the kingdom of God was really like. Okay? Again, those are notions of, those, of the people. But Jesus would give them the reality of the kingdom. So the kingdom of God actually was expected in the Old Testament. And in the Old Testament, it is... It is uh, accepted that God is the ruler of all. Okay? And there's so many places in the Old Testament where we, we see God is declared as, as king, as the ruler of all nations. Let's look at one, uh, one example in Psalm 47. It says there, For God is the king of all the earth. 
Sing praises with a psalm. God reigns over the nations. God sits on his holy throne. So in the minds of the average Jew at this time, they knew, just like what Angela said, God rules over all the nations, over all the earth. No matter what happens on the earth, God is ruling and reigning. Okay? And God never falls from his throne when somebody makes a, a very, very sinful decision that, that uh, leads other people astray. You know, God remains in control. And some of us would say, then if he is in control, then why are all these things happening? Well, you know, God has a plan for all things. And there, the, he allows things to, to, to grow. You know, he allows the, you know, the, you know, the seed, the, the right seed, the gospel seed to grow, but also the weeds and the tares to grow. And then it, in the judgment time, all of them will be taken out and then they'll be separated. Okay? But he allows them all to grow so that to teach all, also those who are in his kingdom to persevere in their faith. Okay? So here, God is accepted to be the ruler. But he's also, when we talk about the kingdom of God, it is always associated with God's promised Messiah. Okay? Their deliverer. Okay? And, and there's so many, again, so many places in, in the Old Testament that we see this, um, the Messiah being referred to uh, as the one who will usher in the kingdom of God. But let's look at two of them. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7 says there. And you all are familiar with this. How many of you celebrate Christmas? Some of you don't. I don't believe in Christmas. <laughs> no. How many of you have seen this in Christmas cards? Or sometimes you've, you know, you've, you've printed your own Christmas card and you place this verse. Okay, let's read it. Let's read it, um, you know, not just the first one, but let's read it in, in its greater context. For to us, a child is born. And this is a promise. This is a messianic verse, a passage referring to the Messiah. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. His name is Mighty God. Wait a minute. So they could not understand it. They couldn't comprehend it. Maybe this is figurative. But his name is Mighty God. Everlasting Father prince of peace now god was giving already giving them hints of who this messiah is it's he's not just a human being but he's that he has a divine origin but they did not know they were just reciting because the prophet declared this his name is wonderful counselor mighty god everlasting father prince of peace of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom, there you go, okay, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. So this kingdom is an eternal kingdom. So there, the, the Jews were being given hints already that the kingdom of God is, is, is not just going to be uh, in the temporal realm, but it's going to be eternal. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Okay, another another uh, messianic passage in Daniel chapter 7. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. Okay, not just the nation of Israel. All nations. Okay, that's how our movement is called every nation. Okay, we, we believe we're called to every nation to plant churches there and to preach the gospel there and make disciples there. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. And His kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. 
Okay? <clears throat> One that will not be destroyed. So, again, the Old Testament, the kingdom of God is expected in the Old Testament, but it is also central to the message and ministry of Jesus Christ when we go to the New Testament. Okay? I mean, the, the whole gospel, the, the four gospel accounts and acts, and actually <laughs> the epistles of, of the Apostle Paul are replete with references to the kingdom of God. And this is what they were preaching. They're not preaching the four E's. How many of you are familiar with the four E's? That's what we are, victory. No, we, you know, we know the four E's. We're not preaching four E's. That's a method. That's a methodology. That's a strategy. That's not what we're preaching. We're preaching the kingdom of God. Come on now. And so here, let's look at two examples in the Gospels. Luke chapter 4 Verse 43, but he said, this is Jesus. Jesus said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. He came to earth for the purpose of proclaiming the good news. The good news of the kingdom of God. That God's kingdom is now at hand. And then all those, who, all evildoers will, will be judged. But God, there's good news for those who will turn away and repent of their sinful ways. God will accept them and make them part of the kingdom. And that's why he was preaching so that they can hear and believe. Okay? And another passage in Matthew 9.35, it says there, And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel. Everybody say proclaiming the gospel. Okay? Proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. And look at this. He wasn't only proclaiming, but he was also healing. Every disease and every affliction. He aimed and demonstrated the kingdom of God. He proclaimed the good news and the power of the kingdom. And he proved it by demonstrating its power and its truth. Through the power of God. By healing, he cast out demons out. You know, the casting out of demons was, actually, was, uh, was unique to the New Testament. When, when he was casting demons out... You know, the Pharisees and uh, the religious leaders would accuse him of saying, you're casting demons out because of Beelze uh, in the name of Beelzebub, the prince of demons. And Jesus said, how can Satan cast out Satan? A house divided against itself cannot stand. But if I cast demons out by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. The kingdom has come upon you. Okay? So the kingdom of God has come and Jesus not only declared and proclaimed it, He demonstrated it. Okay? We're not just here to proclaim the kingdom. We are here to demonstrate it in our lives. Through the way we live, letting the truth of the gospel lived out in our lives and also demonstrate the power of this gospel through signs and wonders. That's why we are baptized in the Holy Spirit. Come on now. Okay? So, Jesus talked about the kingdom of God in terms of Mustard seeds and yeasts. And those two things actually give a picture of what the kingdom is going to be like. The kingdom will be big, will be strong, and will be all influential. It'll, it is so impactful that it's going to affect the entire creation. That's how powerful this kingdom is. Okay, It's going to deal with the, with, with the problem of sin. And the enemy. 
And let's, let, let me just give you a few scriptures to show you. And again, the New Testament is replete with this, but let me give you a few, few verses to show you this. Matthew 24, verse 14 says this. Jesus said, in the last days, there's going to be a lot of, you know, earthquakes and wars and rumors of wars. All these calamities, all these things will happen. These things must happen, for these are the beginning of birth pains. Okay, these things will happen. These signs will happen, bad signs. But he said, there is a greater sign that's going to happen in the last days. And this sign is this. This gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So when the end comes, the sign of that is that the gospel is proclaimed throughout the whole world. There's no stopping the proclamation of this gospel. Come on now. Book of Acts, we see people being persecuted as they proclaim the message. The more they were persecuted, the more the word of God spread, the more believers were added to their number. The more the proclamation of the gospel was spread throughout the entire known world at the time. And then more and more churches were planted, more and more people were becoming believers in Jesus. The more they were persecuted, the more... The, the, you know, the church grew and the kingdom of God spread. That's why I think it was, I'm not sure if it was Tertullian or Origen who said this. I have to go back to, I forgot, forget, I forgot my details, it's coming up to me now. It says, the, he, they said, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. The blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. Suffering. Jesus won our victory through suffering and as you look at one of the descriptions of the messiah in the old testament he was in isaiah he was the suffering servant you see all of us here in america we want the comfortable life we don't want suffering right but god allows suffering because in in and through suffering there is going to be life that's going to be produced because what's waiting for you at the end is far greater than the suffering you're going through. But there's something God is doing in and through us when He allows us to go through suffering. We become more like Him. <coughs> <coughs> Revelation 11.15 says this. Talking about how big, strong, and influential this kingdom is. At the end, Revelation, in the end, at the end, okay? The seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of the world, another translation says, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. You see, San Francisco in the Bay Area is one of the most anti-Christian regions in the world. I mean, they tolerate, this region tolerates everything except Christianity. And on the surface, you might think there's no hope. But you know what? There is hope. Just look around you. People tell us, you, can't, you don't plant a church here in this region. This is a, 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 a church planter's graveyard, a lot of missiologists would say. We came here, Blanche and I, we did not know that. We just heard God call us here, plant a church here, and we're, we planted a church and we just found out later, yes, it's been tough, but you know what? God 
is tougher. God is greater, more powerful. Look, look around you. Look at, the, look at the beautiful faces around you. This is testament to God's grace and power over a wicked region. That's why there is hope. Come on now. We have hope. So my, my point here is this, as I'm beginning to wind down. The whole point of the parable, is the, the two parables is this. God's kingdom will ultimately pervade and permeate throughout all the world. The entire world. Not just pockets of the world, throughout the whole world. Okay? And what are the implications of this? First <clears throat> is this. The implication is this. The kingdom of God has already come in Christ. When Jesus came the first time, His incarnation ushered in the kingdom of God. Luke 17, 20, verses 20, 20, uh, verse 20 and 21 says this. Now, having been asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he replied, The kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed or with a visible display, nor will people say, Look, here it is, or there it is. For the kingdom of God is among you because of my presence. So Jesus himself here declared that the kingdom of God is already here in its inception, and not in its fullness, in seed form. And let me tell you, it's been advancing, it's been growing. It's been growing. The second implication is this. Not only has the kingdom of God already come in Christ, it will come in its fullness when Christ returns in all His glory. Come on now. Matthew 25, 31. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. The Bible says in Revelation that when He appears, when, when He sits on His throne, the accuser of the brethren, the serpent, the, the, the one who's the accuser of our brothers, the one who's known as the devil, will be thrown and judged forever. Come on now. There's no stopping this kingdom. Thirdly, as we look at these two implications, a third implication would, would arise from this. But it's a question. How would we respond? How should we respond? Because the kingdom of God is here, but it's coming in its fullness. So we live in the presence of the future, as George Land said. We live in the presence of the future. We, we live in between times, but we are in the, in the last days because the kingdom of God is already here. We are signposts of the kingdom. We are proof that the kingdom exists and it's growing mightily. Changed lives are signposts to the world that Jesus Christ has come, He's real, and He's coming back to take, take back what is His. How should we respond? First, we respond in repentance. Matthew 4, 17, from that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Just like Angela said, God was their king, but they did not have a vision of Him, so they just did whatever they wanted. They, they, they sin, but God is gracious. He was giving them a chance to come back to Him. And this is the gospel. Jesus died so that you don't have to. And He's issuing that invitation. Question is, will you take that invitation? Secondly, after we repented and He has forgiven us of our sins, we are to represent Him. How? In the power of the Spirit, we are to proclaim the gospel and demonstrate the gospel. 
demonstrate the truth of the gospel in our lives, in the way we live, and also in the power of the Spirit by moving in signs and wonders. Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. <clears throat> now, this is pretty much what we are like. This is how it looks like for all of us. Okay, how many of you know that, uh, you know, God, you know, finishes everything He started? He starts. He finishes everything He starts. But here's the thing. We're living in between. In between the inauguration and the culmination of the kingdom. And we have a mission. And we are surrounded by enemy forces. Take things and beings that are against the knowledge of God and against His purposes. I want to give you, I want to show you a video from a short clip from, the, from an episode from, of the, uh, uh, from this TV series, Band of Brothers. Have you seen this? <clears throat> this is an awesome, awesome TV show. So anyway, can we switch the light off? We make sure that the, <clears throat> the audio is on. This is just two minutes. <clears throat> this is where they were, uh, they were in a bastion and um, they were overwhelmed by the German forces, and some of their, some of their, um, some of the soldiers were retreating, but Easy Company, they were paratroopers. They were dropped there, to you know, in be behind enemy lines so that they can, they can advance. And we know that it, the Allies won World War II. Okay, so let's let's uh, watch this video. We are paratroopers, Lieutenant. We are supposed to be surrounded. That is how it is with us. We're supposed to be surrounded by the enemy, evil forces. But we are here, commissioned by God to take on His mission to take back the world, to proclaim His gospel. And that's what it is. And here's the end of that mission. God's kingdom will ultimately pervade and permeate through the whole world. This is the end. It's a good path. That's why we call our church Victory Church of the Bay Area. Because we believe in the victory of Christ. Amen? We don't, you know, we don't cower down. We didn't call our church defeated Church of the Bay Area. We are victory, Church of the Bay Area. It's not because of what we do. It's what Jesus has done. And He has called us to a mission that will never fail. We will be casualties if we are unfaithful. But if we are faithful to the mission, if we go beyond ourselves, we go beyond our own kingdoms, we go beyond our own lives, our own concerns, our own desires, our own dreams, if we go beyond that, then we will find the mission. If we see God, just as Angela said, if we see a revelation of God, then we will see our mission. And when we see our mission, we will be the church that He has called us to be. A victorious, triumphant church led by the power of His Spirit. The question now is, as I end, are we participating in God's mission in the world? Ask yourself this, am I participating in God's mission? Or am I building my own kingdom? Am I building my own dream? Why are we here this morning? Why are we here in victory? Because it meets my needs. It feeds me spiritually. It should go beyond that. 
you, you and I have a mission. You see, it's not so much that the church has a mission for the world. No, here's it. It's the other way around. It's God's mission that has a church. In other words, we exist for the mission of God.